Hello, welcome to episode number 219 of the Apple Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Today's podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp.com. Get affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere. Talk with a licensed professional therapist online today. You can get a seven-day trial by using the code word Applog by going to BetterHelp.com slash Applog. Like to thank everybody on Amazon for shopping and helping the show out. You too can do that by going to Applog.ca slash Amazon or Applog.ca slash US Amazon. You do it the old-fashioned way too by going to applog.ca, click on the banners located on the right side, uh, locate your country, whether you're from Canada, the United States, or the UK, bookmark all those links. And every time you shop on Amazon, use those links to shop and support the show, and it costs you no extra money. I'd like to thank everybody for helping me out on Patreon. You too can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash applog. You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. You can buy a t-shirt by going to applock.ca slash shop. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Mr. Sam Williams. Sam Williams and I go back almost 20-something years where... Um, when I was in a band called Rip Fisher, we were on tour in Florida and we played with Sam's band. Sam subsequently went on to join Down By Law and he's a swell guy. And uh, here he is, Mr. Sam Williams on the Apple Log Podcast. I don't think I've talked to you for, I don't even remember the last time. I think last time I saw you was in Florida when I was on tour with Sum 41. And oh, I, I remember that show. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. was your other, which band yeah, was that? That was Pseudo Heroes. We were going for a little while. That's um, right. Did a couple of records, but I totally remember that. Yeah, they I, they hadn't like broke yet, right? They weren't no. like mega huge quite yet. That was the van tour. One yeah. of the last <laughs> ones. I, well, it might have been one of the last ones. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was a, uh, yeah, they did van tours for like a year and a half that I was working with them, and it was like pretty brutal because it was crew of one. <laughs> Do you still talk to those guys at all? I um no, like it's been a while. Like I see them around, and I uh, I was in Los Angeles in May, and I was trying to get in touch with Derek, mm. and um, it just didn't happen, you know. So yeah. he's he's busy. Either they were on tour. I think that's oh. that's what. Yeah, they were on tour. But, um, man, still doing it. I saw just like two or three days ago. I, I just, I, I noticed, you know, cause we're kind of on a similar circuit of like nineties bands, festivals, like in Europe and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just ran across one the other day that we're not on, but it was like, um, a ton of really huge bands and some 41 was at the top. I was like, wow. It was like, I mean, above like offspring and like everything else. Like it was like some 41. Yeah. Was it Europe, Europe, or was it North America? I, I, I think it was Europe, if I can, if I remember. Yeah, I mean they they had this comeback that was like a couple of years ago that just never ended. It's like it's still going. Like, wow, people finally. I don't know. I guess they did. Like, it's weird being a band like them that had the single and then had the mm. success and then yeah. sort of kept it going 
and uh, yeah. like they they did they had a good run longer than most bands when it came to that sort of that right. early right, to right. late to mid two thousands. Yeah, rush of of bands. Right, right. You know, yeah, totally. You didn't know. he? he, he I'm just, Every time I think of them, I th- didn't the singer he dated like Paris Hilton for like a second or something. Yeah, <laughs> and he was married to Avril Lavigne. Yes, I forgot <laughs> about that. So when you know you've made it, man, when you're dating Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton, is, <laughs> or you've you've caught something, maybe. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So down by law, man, like still going strong, man. You're like the longest longest working. surviving member of that band, aren't you? Yeah, by a long shot. I mean, I think, let's see, I joined in like 93 or 94. So what is that, like 25-ish years or something like that, I think? <laughs> yeah. It's a long time, forever. Yeah, we never really stopped, me and Dave. We just kind of, you know, sometimes we'll just sit around and just, well, our, our policy is like we wait for people. You know, if somebody wants us to do something, we're available, you know? Yeah. But sometimes that gap is like two years long before anybody asks us to do anything. Yeah. But Let's see, maybe like uh, last year, year, year before, we got hit up by this really cool label and uh, it's, and a really good booking agent at the same time. So it's been going pretty steady for about two years now, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I met you, the first time I met you was I was on tour with Red Fisher. And yeah, uh, yeah, we had a common, we have a common friend in Dave Sams. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. But you're originally from you're you're american like you're rich you're born there like are you florida floridian born or where are you florida yeah florida born and everything yeah the whole deal i never left so how did how did a guy like dave sams from the middle of ontario come to uh to meet Mm. you like how how did all that connection connect he was like as he was pretty nomadic from what i remember but like when he was going to school and stuff he just ended up in florida for like a couple years i think Mm-hmm. he was like going to college here somewhere and um we just kind of knew some of the same you know obviously the same music stuff we were into at the same time and uh yeah we just hit it off you know he was like we ended up being in a band together for a while actually technically i think we were in a band together when i joined down by law like me and dave sams was on vocals and um a couple other friends and then I, that's the demo that i sent to dave Oh. Smalley, yeah. uh, the the thing that me and Dave Sams did, and um, yeah, it's just it's you know just he's um, I run into him. It, there was a time when I would just run into him in just odd places. He was just all over the place, you know, in Canada, like one coast or another. You know, he's just yeah. never stayed put. But um, now he's like married, and they're kind of staying put. You know, I think they're in like Alabama or no Virginia. No, they're in Virginia now. Yep. Oh, okay. His yeah. Wife. Yeah. Because I they used to, I used to travel all over Canada recording bands, and he used to put me up in Edmonton when, whenever at his parents' house. Yeah, that was his. Uh, that was his, his home base. Yeah, and I famously tell the story when he he managed to get some like M80s, like these huge fireworks, and uh-huh. he's like, "Let's light them off." It's like it's midnight. It's late. I'm like, I don't know, man. These things they like little sticks of dynamite. So he yeah, threw them yeah. in his backyard, and they made the loudest noise that car alarms were going off in the neighborhood. <laughs> And we, we fucking boot, booked it inside. And it was funny because we're like both in our 20s, you know what I mean? Like we're yeah, yeah. not supposed to be doing what teenagers are doing. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah, funny. very funny. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, 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 I lit one of those off in a club one time. <laughs> it was insane. 
I didn't know how loud it was going to be. It really sounded like somebody threw a grenade inside the club. It was crazy. <laughs> I remember, see, I tell, and I, I also tell this other story, and it's good that has, because I've told it a few times where Red Fisher were leaving Los Angeles to play a show in Florida. And we drove all the way across North America, and we stopped for about two hours or three hours in New Orleans to look around. And then we just made it to Florida, but we were three hours late for the show. Mm. That was the show yeah. I think we were playing with you guys. Oh, okay. And okay. we got there, and it was like, show's over. I'm like, <laughs> it was exactly the same <laughs> amount of time we had been sitting walking around the French Quarter in, in New Orleans. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've always... Wait, what, this what? is all coming back to me now. You know, I think the band that I'm talking about that Dave Sams and I were in played... I know we played a show with Red Fisher at the Brass Mug in Tampa. I don't remember. They only came down here once, right? Yeah. So it would have to be yeah. that same same thing. Um, I had the flyer on my wall for years and everything. <laughs> So it's like all coming back now. <laughs> I just so found weird. a copy of that cassette. We did a cassette live off the floor and mm. like dubbed them ourselves and hand wrote on the cassettes and sold them over the merch table. And they're pretty rare because I think we only made like 50 of them. And I found oh, okay. one in my piano bench. Like oh, no way. I was moving stuff out of our office and I opened it up and there it is. I think we call it, what was it called? I think we called it crankbait or something. It was like, oh, okay. yeah, it was a very funny uh, um, cassette. Well, my daughter's trying to stay low. I see you. I see you. I see you still. It's okay. <laughs> come meet Sam, anyways. Come meet my. This is my daughter. This is April. Oh, cool. Hey, how's it going? Say hi yeah. to the mic so they know you're here. Hi. <laughs> Hello. All right, now get old, out of here. How old's your daughter? She is twelve. Oh, mine are just turned eleven in January. That's yeah. So crazy. You have twins? Or <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, twins. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Twin girls. Yeah, yeah, fraternal. They're like complete opposites, but yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's uh, it's, so. Yeah, twins. I couldn't even imagine. Like, is that what yeah, made you stop after it's having two? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I didn't. You know, um, everybody has always always said that. You know how difficult it is, but you don't realize because they're the only kids I have, so you don't realize mm -hmm. how hard two are because I never had one to compare it to. Oh, I guess you know? so. Yeah, I never thought but, of it. But. There, there were times later on when, when we would have one being babysat or, you know, some reason they were separate and it's like, oh, wow, this is a cinch when it's just one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, do they, do they have all like the, uh, sort of the, the twins, like the kinetic or whatever, the psychic power that twins have when they join together, they become a super not, twin? Not that I've seen. They, they have the superpower of arguing a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of normal. I think we're lucky. Our kids don't really argue, but I don't think Very they've lucky. hit that 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 divide because my son is fifteen, and uh, okay. he's turning sixteen in March, so yeah. he's he's pretty uh, he's pretty mellow. You know, that's cool. Likes his video yeah. games. Awesome. He likes closing the door of the bedroom, and you have to say, "I'm coming in. <laughs> I'm coming in now. The door. I'm coming to the door." <laughs> That's too funny, man. <laughs> yeah, my wife does it more than me, though. It's like, uh, you don't have to be... Oh, yeah, I guess you do. You have to make sure you don't walk in on anything. Yeah, exactly. 16-year-old boys do. Boys, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you've always toured and played in bands. Like, do you... Um, did, is there anything like... Do you, did you ever take like a... Like what they call like a job job? Or have you ever 
Uh, always just stuff to fill in the gaps, like a temp thing or something like that, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. But somehow I've always just eked it through, you know. I had a pretty steady local gig doing covers, you know, for weekends for years and years and years and years. And Wednesday, and about three nights a week, you know. Mm-hmm. And that kind of kept me going through the lean times. Or like um, just all kinds of weird stuff. Like there was a time when I was writing music for Fox Sports, like mm-hmm. background music. Oh, wow, yeah. So, um, and then, um, you know, Down by Law has always gotten their little occasional thing here and there. And yeah, it's weird. It's, uh, it's definitely tricky. You know, it's not like Down by Law ever got like bad religion or no effects big, you know, where you can just kick, kick your heels back or whatever. But it's like, um, but somehow, yeah, I just kind of squeaked it, pulled it together, you know, more like a, you know, you get kind of get into the world of like the working musician, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? As opposed to just like, you know, a, 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 a rock original guy running around or whatever. But that was fine because I, you know, really the last say 10 years, I've really been hardcore into just the guitar playing aspect, like getting my formal chops up, you know, and playing mm-hmm. other things besides, you know, whatever I was playing down by law for so long. So, um, in that regard, uh, you know, you get something out of it by doing other little gigs that are kind of like uh, less glamorous, I guess. You know, <laughs> you get your get your uh, musicality kind of up to a different level. You know. Well, yeah, I've always thought like you know you have drummers, especially who are like jazz drummers who join punk rock yeah. bands, and you're like they have this yeah. different type of um, energy and feel because yeah. it's like because punk rock is punk rock. But if yeah. you kind of know how to play to begin with, then you can put not just the punk rock part in, but the actual musicality part into playing. Yeah. And that's very important sure. because, um, no you know, three chords and the truth is like, that's uh, only goes so far. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. It's like the last Down by Law record we just did is my favorite by far. Yeah. And it's because it just is like, um, because I'm so into like guitar stuff, you know, I really like, um, kind of threw in all the stuff I've, I've kind of been learning for these last, you know, several years or whatever, odd chord voicings and trying to figure out these different things like that. Or, um, but it's all stuff that I, I gathered from other, other kinds of music that you wouldn't really gather if you just kind of are playing the same stuff and with the same bands all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I yeah, like I said, it's it's it definitely if you can broaden your horizons uh, yeah. musically, it's only good, you know, and yeah, 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 and sure. you can learn to appreciate music for what it is, and that's just what it is is just music, and, and yeah, and carry sure. on things into punk rock that can maybe inspire stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No so yeah, the other thing I was talking thinking about. Is I always how how much in cover bands like when you were like twenty like you thought I'm never gonna be in a cover band <laughs> mm, yeah yeah for sure I, I was that was like I thought that was like enemy territory or something you know like <laughs> <laughs> but all that stuff goes out the window once you once you grow up you know it's like um, I was like that about a lot of stuff you know I was like gosh i think i only listened to like hardcore melodic hardcore and death metal and grindcore that was it it for so many years anything else was totally stupid to me you know or or lame and 
you know, as I grew up, I get into other stuff and, and, um, it's kind of like that with those types of philosophies too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now I barely listen to that stuff at all. It's like, it's ingrained in me. I love it still, you know, but it's like, um, when I'm just driving around, it's, I'm listening to, to, to weird, you know, different stuff. Just like I said, really guitar oriented type thing. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> learning how to play like a Stevie Ray Vaughan song or something. Um, good enough to play it, you know, out and in front of people or to improvise over things like that. You know, it's like something I, I wouldn't learn if I, um, didn't push myself. And I mean, you really push yourself playing other people's music, you know, I mean, you have like the, the generic songs that everybody wants to hear and cover bands and bars and stuff like that. But beyond that, you, you learn so many different approaches, you know, that, that are out of your comfort zone because you're not making them up, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you want to do it justice as, as when you can appreciate the style yeah. that, yeah. you know, and you can't really fake stuff like that, but you can, you can't, you can For fake sure. it, but I think yeah. you're the type of person probably that wants to get it exactly correct. And, uh, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. 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 My buddy, uh, as as yeah, my buddy and I, we decided that, uh, are you going anonymous now? <laughs> my buddy and i decided that we were going to cover huey lewis in the news of sports album and oh, cool, like note for awesome. note yeah so like yeah. the solo for i want a new drug is like yeah beyond what we could do so we got my friend steve to do it and yeah. and it was fun to do i mean it was totally fun to do because as a kid it was like that was the stuff on the radio for me you know yeah. I mean? like it was like definitely I, I actually i'm actually a big fan of huey lewis you know it's funny like there's a lot of bands like that that when you're in the right in the center of it, something like Huey Lewis is just like piled on your head two four seven. Like you said, when we were kids, it's on the radio, it's on every generic commercial. It's you know, it's hard to get like a perspective on bands that way. Uh, it's almost like once you they're gone for a little while, you can kind of judge them for real, you know. And I love his voice, man. Huey Lewis's voice, I love. I've always liked it, and that guitar player is great, man. Yeah. That guy's excellent. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was it was weird stroke of luck because we were doing it, and uh, based on a f- we were having a Skype conversation, and the Skype conversation yeah. he was wearing a, a Huey Lewis in the News shirt, and I'm like, oh man, that sports album, man. When I was a kid, I saw that concert, and he goes, well, cool. I said we should cover that record because it's so good. And then like a week and a half later, he's like, well, I've I've learned all the songs. I'm like, well, oh, now we have to record. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we took deal. it to the studio and recorded it. It's still not done, but I don't know if you're familiar with a band up here called The Salads. Um, I don't know them, they man. had some singles. Darren Pfeiffer played in the Salads for a little while from Goldfinger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and he sounds like Huey Lewis. So we're like, okay, well, we found our singer because he sounds just like Huey Lewis, and he's a huge wow. fan too. So it's That's like cool. this weird sort of like coming together's of like '90s punkers who are like trying yeah. to put this Over Huey here, Lewis bro. in the news because the record actually we found out it's turning 30 years old or 30 four, no 40 years old. Like or thirty five years. There's a, there's a there is an anniversary coming up, so we're like we got to uh, put it out because we started recording it like six years ago or seven years ago. So it's like oh, still, wow. still in a hard drive yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So you're that's um, too cool. Yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's it's and it's super fun because learning keyboard lines that were like played on monophonic keyboards when mm, we can just do right. it polyphonically. I was doing them like single notes, just yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. do it justice and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. Did a lot of research, like what kind of keyboards they were using and stuff, and then tried to emulate all the sounds and everything. It was it was it was a total total blast. But uh, that's great, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But you're um. So yeah, what was the last Down by Law record? Because that came out 
last year? Yeah, it came out last year. Um, All In is the name of it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, but yeah, it was, um, I was really, I'm, I'm totally stoked on it. It's different. It's a bit different for us, I guess. Um, it's not that different. I mean, the, the band has kind of been doing its thing for a while, you know, if you if you've been paying attention to all the little things we've been doing in between, like all the bigger things we did back in the 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. This evolution has been kind of coming, I guess. But to me, it was like kind of like, um, you know, Down by Law's always had like a, a couple categories of influences, you know, like uh, there's like the hardcore kind of side to it, a little bit melodic, kind of dag nasty vibe. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like um, a lot of like the English pub rock uh, mod <laughs> stuff, you know, the jam, and yeah. Elvis Costello. And to me, this album was way more leaning on those influences than we had in the past, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple songs that are kind of dag nasty-ish or whatever, but but for the most part, I thought it was way more in the direction of like, you know, a Paul Weller thing or something. Or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and so touring, is touring a thing now? Like, because I know, like, Dave has been doing stuff with the band of LaRue's, right? I'm saying it right? He... Uh, he does a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. He's got like three different side bands, and one's just signed to Victory Records called Don't Sleep. Yeah. And he's got a band and a, a European band of these guys in Spain. It's called uh, the Bandoleros. Yeah, Bandoleros. Yeah, Bandoleros. Yeah. And um, he's he's super busy, man. And those records are all excellent. I mean, they're really yeah. good, especially if you know, because we kind of took this side trip you know into this different territory i, I kind of feel like if you you know because dave has a lot of sides to his voice and his output you know if you're kind of really into like the the dag is dag nastier side of things i guess you know with him vocally or whatever those bands really cover that well they don't sound like dag nasty but they you know if that's the space you're looking for with the dave smalley records you know it's all out there like there's there's something for everybody with Dave at this point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and and I just he was on the show I think a couple of months ago, and oh, cool. he he hasn't changed in his yeah. ever. Like you know, and I've known him a long time. Like I've known him since '91, yeah. since yeah, that yeah, first yeah. Down by Law record because we toured Trigger Happy when I played in the band Trigger Happy. We toured. That was our first tour. It was opening for Down by Law on their first tour. With gotcha. Ed and Dave Naz and you know and as as, yeah, a, yeah. as a, and who oh Chris um Chris from Clawhammer yeah. Clawhammer yep, yep. yeah yep and that was like he was exactly the same then than he is now and it's like and it's because music has sort of kept him you know it's kept him centered and you know yeah. do you find that do you have that same sort of understanding like with music of him or with of me, you my, yourself my, yeah oh um. You know, I don't know. My my view of music has definitely changed a lot, and um, not my view of music, but you know, like my my approach to music is hugely different. But um, you know, gosh, I don't know. That's a hard question. Uh, I, I I feel like Dave is probably more um, static in his. Uh, his uh, whatever outlook on music and stuff. He, he listens to everything too. He listens to a ton of things mm-hmm. and he's influenced by a ton of things just like me. But 
um, just maybe his philosophies and, and things like that that kind of emanate from him about music and stuff, you know, um, he's probably probably more stable than I am on, on some, some things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is... Because uh, like a lot of times when you're 20, music, is, it's, it surrounds you. It's who you are and it's your identity. And then as you get older, you start understanding what priorities are that are like... Instead of being selfish as a musician, yeah. you become selfless because you become a father, you become a, a right, partner right. of significant other, and you have to yeah. share a house with people, and you can't be a, a grumpy, selfish musician right. anymore. And, <laughs> and that's, I mean, believe me, I mean, I'm speaking yeah. from pure yeah. firsthand, you know, so yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to start yeah. learning about like how other people work. And, and the term empathy is such a strong word yeah. when you're used to play music and you should be part of your life, you know, like, do you, yeah. do you find like music isn't as much of a, it, it isn't who you are as much anymore or, or are you still exactly uh, who you were? No, I understand totally what you're saying now. Uh, it, 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 it is, you know, I am, it is pretty much like I am a musician. Um, and it is like a huge, part of my life but in a completely different way than it was back then for mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. i don't i don't listen to hardly you know i've always had a problem of, of not listening to listening to a lot of contemporary stuff you know but now it's like just totally dead in the water to me like i don't listen i listen to a lot less music i don't ever go to shows you know unless i'm playing or something mm -hmm. like that i'm just like hardcore into uh guitar 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 like all you know like um um for so long back in those days it was just about uh it, it, it was you know the i concentrated probably more on songwriting and things like that but now it's just uh like i said it's just playing guitar and recording and stuff like that and creating music um it's really hard to articulate but it, it is a completely different vibe because um yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't have, with, like you said, with the family and, and people and stuff, I don't have, I don't really, you know, at first it was like, I don't have time for those things, you know, like the being in the scene and that kind of deal. And, yeah. and um, but now it's like, it's, it's gone for me anyway. Like it's just mm -hmm. a totally different focus for me musically. I mean, I just sit around and, and, and practice modes and, uh, different chord voicings and stuff like that and try yeah. to learn different styles guitar wise and yeah. i'm hooked i mean i'm addicted to to buying amps and stuff like that <laughs> so, yeah so in that in that regard i'm still all about music and making music and stuff but yeah. it's it's uh it's 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 uh it's a different trip for sure no doubt yeah you know we all make decisions in life that become who we are and 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 as as you know what you said, well, you you sit and you practice guitar. That's something you can you can do from right there. You don't need right. to be in Pittsburgh right, to right, practice right. guitar. You can yeah, you yeah, can exactly. do that. On, and so I think what I'm getting at, you can do it on your terms. Like you're doing it. Yes. You're not making right. music because that's a problem too. Like if people that become, we were just talking earlier about some forty one, but that's that's who they are. Like they have a certain amount of. Um, there's a certain amount of like expectation for them to go out and earn bread for the right, people that right, work right. with and for them and around them that yeah. a lot of people don't really want to do that because it's sort of, so, yeah. it, you lose the whole feeling of what music's supposed to be about, which is 
first of all, getting laid. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, getting all the drugs. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's definitely like a reason why people like us play music, and there's people like them that play music, and there's no wrong, correct? Like, no, no. You know. so, yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah, it's um, touring is a big thing. I mean, that's a big thing that I could not do anymore. The tours that we used to, and and down by law was always kind of dragged our feet a little bit if we had to do like eight weeks or nine weeks. I mean, to me. That's like a, there's no way now. It's like to me, it's like ten days is the is like the tops, you know, that I could be gone. And we've kind of got it pared down to where Down by Law does these festivals, um, and and then they kind of uh, uh, snooker us into doing a few club dates around them sometimes, yeah. and then we come home every month or every other month or so, you know. And um, that's about all I can handle, and that's a big part of that is. That's the other part of like the cover thing, you know, is trying to get gigs that I can come home after, you know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, because yeah, I, I definitely couldn't do that that touring thing anymore. And I've thought about like, you know, what if I got like a gig and like the Foo Fighters or something, you know? It's mm-hmm. like that, you know, it's like as big as you could. Get. It's like I don't even know if I could handle that, you know, as far as the travel, you know, aspect of it. Yeah. Which back in the day. Um, it would have been no problem, you know, but, but mm-hmm. now it's, it's, yeah, just a different vibe for sure. Yeah. Like you have perspective too. I mean, that was funny when you say that like band, like the Foo Fighters, they're like a band that's same idea. Like they have mm-hmm. a certain expectation even more than bands like Some 41 that, you know, and I'm sure they still love music. It's for different reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, to yeah. speak to people about it's, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how to word it, but, like like a a Dave Grohl be like yeah I love punk rock punk rock's great but I'm gonna tell you it from my brand new Prevo that I'm driving around in you know it's like yeah. which is fine yeah. because he worked for that and earned it and and mm. then there's people that tour in vans that go you know what vans for me man I'm gonna stay in that van yeah. I'm gonna die in that van it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah okay well you know that yeah. that's the other sort of aspect of it it's like. You know, I know people in from the scene that are still as punk rock as they were, and that necessarily isn't a good thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know? <laughs> you know, yeah. you go, you got folks in, you know, down there that probably are the same way. They just, they just, they might be, but I probably um, don't run into them that much. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta grow in some way you know don't have to don't have to get married have kids and get a house but i mean at some some level i feel like you gotta do something different you know i mean you don't have to it's your life i guess but yeah it's true that's true you've made like i made a decision i have a house i have a mortgage i have a job and i don't have punk rock to i don't need to rely on punk rock to pay my bills which is just fine i'm okay with that i'm okay with that because when it was sort of looking at in the early 2000s that it might be something that could be a viable thing it's yeah. like man what i wouldn't be sitting here i would have nothing i'd be broke right. you know i yeah. have right. you know i wouldn't have a car i'd probably be single and i'd probably be toothless <laughs> maybe homeless maybe both <laughs> <laughs> you know we all need yeah there's dude, yeah. There, you know it's funny at some of these festivals and stuff we run across these bands and um there's roadie guys you know that i remember from back in the 90s you know that mm-hmm. still just kind of go around with the bands and um they look you know they're, they're just doing the exact same thing and 
I, I picture, I figure most of them just have like an apartment. They crash out a couple of weeks here and there and the rest of the time they're just out, you know, yeah. that would definitely drive me nuts, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I did it as an early in my mid early twenties into my early thirties, but it was like, yeah, like there was a trajectory where it could have gone higher, but at the same time, same, the results would have been the same. I would have right, probably right. been single, toothless, homeless, yeah. <laughs> maybe all three put together. The, yeah, exactly. the hat trick of, of punk, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and I loved it when I was 25. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. pff, I didn't yeah, have anybody sure. to answer to. I didn't even have a place to live. It was awesome. Yeah, it was great. But like, I think what you're saying is like, I mean, what I'm saying is that yeah, we all have to somehow contribute into a society that we've we have to we have to input somehow in, mm -hmm. into what just being a good person or or go getting something doing something. Yeah, doing something exactly. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about. It's it's like I feel as intense about music as ever, but um, not you know just. Like 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 we're talking about just in a different different part parts of the music, you know. It's not so much about um, getting on the warp tour, you know, whatever. And yeah. you know, you know, I I don't know. I found a way to satisfy myself musically um, different ways, you know. Like I have this band now that I'm starting. We're about five or six songs in. We have a couple songs coming out on comps, but it's it's totally guitar music. It's instrumental. It's like surfy kind of stuff, like the shadows or the ventures, you mm. know, um, I'm so stoked on it, you know, in a way that, um, I haven't been before. I've just, I've always wanted to do like a guitar type instrumental thing, you know, I've get more and more into instrumental music and, um, and, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't, that it's like not saying you, I probably wouldn't have had time to, to get, get to that point you know if if i was still doing the the 90s down by law schedule you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that was funny like i think i think the 90s we're almost there again you know what i mean we're almost ready for the full circle of 90s because it's like yeah i don't know it just feels like this is what's going to happen just where the music goes you know like yeah you know and i find the more i sort of as older i get the less sort of involved with what the trends are yeah, for sure. And start start going into you know preserve preservation mode where it's like this is the stuff this is the stuff I can listen to and uh, yeah and if you don't like it then it's too yeah, bad yeah. too bad for you yeah. like you know people send me like YouTube links for like a band and you're like yeah I mean it sounds kind of cool but I got no more room you know what I mean it's weird <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely true I you know it's funny so when we um, when we, the, you know, so Down By Law kind of got active again, and there was like a brief little five-minute period where it was the entire Punk Rock Academy fight song lineup together again. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was Hunter and, and John, and uh, we did some shows, we did a song. Um, it didn't last long, but, uh, but you know, I was hanging out with Hunter a lot, and he is still um, so up on new, discovering new music and new bands, and he's always playing new stuff, and he would play these things for me and I would, uh, I would think, you know, um, it sounds great. It's perfect. It's something I told, I should totally be into, but I have, it, it just, it, you know, it doesn't do anything for me, but because, um, 
either like you said there's no more room or uh or it's like uh I mean, it's just in a different place in my life, I guess. You know, I don't know what yeah. it is, you know. Yeah. And, and everything has a, a surrounding around you. I mean, you listen to something like, for instance, you listen to your first punk rock record when you're in your in your teens or whatever, or in your early 20s, or even when you're, you know, 30. It's like there's that place in time thing where it's like, oh, I can Sorry. really... And then the time goes by where you can be nostalgic about the stuff that you used to listen to or the stuff you yes. discovered when it was yours. I mean, the, the only way I can really sort of describe an example of that is when I was on my first, like, I had a band and we were in Europe on tour, and I heard Death Cab for Cutie uh, Transatlanticism for the first time. And mm. I'm driving on a highway in Germany listening to, you know, the New Year, and I'm like, tingling. And I'm tingling now thinking about that feeling of hearing that for the first time. That record yeah. had just come out and going, oh my God. God, this is so good, and I'm in this, and you're looking around, it's your surrounding, it's how everything kind of gets put together, and I yeah. will forever love that band for that reason, I don't care what they put out, it's right, always right. great, and I don't know, yeah. because you can give them, you can give them a pass for not doing strong material sometimes, for that reason, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, and it's funny, I, I remember reading a quote from Pete Townsend one time, where he said that, a part of a big part of musical enjoyment was the nostalgia attached to it or something that you're you're gonna have nostalgia for at some point that i totally railed against that when i read it when i was a kid i was like no you know that's just that's i don't know something about that rubbed me the wrong way mm -hmm. but now it's like i 100 percent agree with that you know it, yeah it's like stuff is is yours and and yeah because you know you you always hear about the guys getting old you know and i'm around it all the time we're like ah oh, it's just it ain't like it used to be. You know, yeah. this doesn't sound. It's not as good as it used to be. But I, that's not it at all. Because bands definitely are as good as they used to be. There's hold on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely still. They're still good. Um, it's just you know, it's where you're at. You know, your perspective and where you're at in life is is what drives that kind of music enjoyment. I think. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we're in a time where like you know people there is tons of music out there but unfortunately there's a lot of shitty music too so when you're trying yeah. to filter through garbage there seems to be more garbage than good so therefore yeah. even if you found something that was probably really good you're so sick of looking at because there's so much garbage out there <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. jadedness is like a tough a tough beast to conquer when you're like oh i've heard this before you know what i mean <laughs> yes for sure and yeah you're right the the fact that you know everything's digital and you have an unlimited access to an infinite library it's like um it definitely becomes a little less uh i don't know special or something you know when it's i mean it's actually yeah it's daunting to to, to sift through so much of that stuff you know yeah that's why i'm trying to make an i want to make an app that is better than google because yeah. it, it has some a different idea it doesn't exist but it needs to know what you're thinking because it's like and it needs to be able to cue into <laughs> facial expressions and whatnot to say all right yeah. what's this guy thinking right now i think i yeah, got yeah. this here check this out and it's like something yeah. that sifts through all the garbage you know yeah. and, and it's like because you're like there's so much there's so much of the same where i don't know there's only one rolling stones you know what i mean there's right, there's yeah, really there's yeah. one who even yeah. though i know was there ever like like, I guess the kinks would be the closest to the who. I, I don't know, right? You know what I mean? Like, there would have yeah. been sort of somewhat of copy bands of each other. Obviously, there was a lot of yeah. Beatles copy kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we have that now. And because what makes it so difficult 
is that it just stays around longer, you know, and it's, right. you know, rather than, and there's more of it. Maybe that's it. There's more of it than, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's more of it. And there's also, for me, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a sense of history because I listen to a lot of really old stuff too. Um, stuff from the sixties and before, like, you know, even the fifties or forties or whatever, like old blues stuff and, mm-hmm. or old, like, um, country stuff or whatever and it's like uh, there's a sense of history to those recordings that you wouldn't get even if there was another band that sounded exactly like one of those things in every single way it still was not recorded in the fort like a blues artist for example that did an album in the 50s you know it's not it's not recorded in the same time, the same way. It's not coming from the same place as somebody who's doing it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a few, there's people trying to recreate how Ringo's drums were recorded or, and they're yeah. trying to, they can, there's plenty of pictures, but yeah, there's the equipment they're using is 50 years older and but yeah, they're trying yeah, yeah. to recreate like these sounds and yeah. it's, it's tough because it was a chemistry in recording. Like, you think when the Beatles recorded on a four track, they're like, you better get it right. Like, and, you know, yeah. if you don't, you just keep doing it until you got it right. And yeah. and now we're in this phase where it's like, eh, it's pretty good. I can make it better. You know what I mean? Like, let me yeah, fix it. Yeah. You know, I can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, you know, the way rooms sound too was such a big part back then that it's not really as much of a part now. You know, you have a little plug. Everything's kind of close mic'd, or everybody kind of does stuff in their house and yeah. then throws the plugins on it or whatever. But back then, it was like your drum kit is just like in this giant thing, you know, and yeah. three mics on it, you know, and all that, all that stuff. Just and also just like I mean, if we're talking about like just this straight up sound of things i mean the weird the bizarre mixing techniques they used when, when they first discovered stereo or like the drums are on <laughs> one side and <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's it's weird uh from an academic standpoint but it gives gives it its own sound that's the 60s that sounds like the 60s to me you know what i mean yeah yeah i i i like you know i always was a big fan of like steve albini and whoever recorded like that like i think yeah, gil, yeah, yeah. gil norton even kind of did st- a lot of rooms and yeah. um, Jimmy Page was big with yeah. the three mic way of recording, and and yeah. I found that to be like almost like a crutch. If you got a good room, it was yeah. just joyous because you didn't have to worry about <laughs> the equipment. Like I, the mics I have, I've had some of them for twenty something years. They're not yeah. good mics. I mean, like they right. don't. You know what I mean? They're not amazing. And I, I kind of yeah. lost the race with the equipment wars, where people right, are like, right. I got this special preamp, and it's. Yeah. eight grand it's like well jesus yeah. christ i gotta buy a hyundai for the price of yeah, that, exactly. that preamp and drive myself to the gig right yeah and and i never really sort of subscribed to the keeping up thing and i think that's why you know what yeah. i mean like it, it was it complacency or was it just the sheer fact that it's like do we need this equipment to make right. great records and the answer most of the times is well it's a good song and played well yeah. People don't really care. I mean, that's why we have the Strokes. I mean, listen to the Strokes. That, that, those <laughs> records sound like shit, and they were on Universal <laughs> Records. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. But they're pretty good yeah, songs. Yeah, no, they're no, pretty exactly. good songs. Yeah, I go through the same thing with amps. I'm stuck. The guitars I play at this point, they're, I play all Reverend guitars. That's all I have. So they're all contemporary. But my amps, on the other hand, are all old Fenders. And um, 
man, they're really hard to keep going. You know, especially if you're, um, you know, working them like you're playing on them all the time. You yeah. know, uh, those old tube amps. It's like the maintenance is is insane. You know, and I, I you know, I finally played through a few of the really newer modelers, and um, they have definitely come a long long way and i don't i don't think anybody in the audience would know the difference you know no i agree um, i totally agree yeah so you know it has crossed my mind but i still you know there you know there's old there's something about them that's like inspiring you know i'm not quite there yet that i want to dump them all but <laughs> but I, the 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 studio stuff is just I, it's always been so outlandishly expensive like the like the top tier studio mics and stuff you know that are like tens of thousands of dollars have always just been just forget it for me you know <laughs> well yeah you think about the if you're dealing with is it 50 percent better is it 20 percent yeah. better is it yeah. does it cost you an extra three thousand dollars to make it 20 percent better and yeah is it worth it you know because right. if i had all whatever i have if i had all top line gear i, I couldn't nobody would pay me money to you know what i mean like it'd be the highest yeah. priced demo studio on the history of <laughs> right. on the face of the planet, you know. But um, yeah. speaking of yeah. amps, I, I I I've had the same 1983 50 watt JCM 800 head. Um, oh sweet! That is, it was retubed in the early 2000s, but yeah. it just gets better and better sounding. It had its moments yeah. where it would start getting a little less distortion, like yeah. it would start peaking off after a couple hours so you'd have to keep yeah. turning it off and letting it cool down before you could get the fresh yeah. but it seems to have gone away it's like it's weird yeah. it goes all day and when we shut the mics off i'll show you my my invention i uh yeah. I, i'm working on it's uh awesome yeah 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 but the um yeah the fact that having nice old equipment is definitely a double-edged sword because yeah when sure. it breaks and it will um yeah. you don't want to be stuck like somewhere that they don't have anything you know yeah yeah for sure yeah i've had a you know like i i have a a console that it will it if if this console breaks that i can get the exact same console and plug yeah and plug the usb stick in with the with the file on it and be back up and running like within a minute and yeah when did Perfect. that ever happen you know what i mean like right. if you lost a console <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah i it is definitely a trade-off, but I think, yeah, um, the newer stuff typically wins out, you know, the newer, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of set in my ways with these old amps, but yeah, they, they're pain sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So are you going to be heading up this way to the big TO in the next? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny. We are going to come up near that area and there was going to be a Toronto show, but it fell in a weird time and we couldn't get it get it together so no toronto but we are coming to quebec is it may maybe is it pizza um, it, it's the end of, no it's end of march it's end like of march. we're doing a week out there yeah oh there's, there's okay like weird, there's weird um there's like towns i've never heard of before like uh what show showing again showing again yeah i never heard of it <laughs> never heard <laughs> of it an, another yeah. one called like Ro Ro it's like groin something with uh hyphenated they're all around like montreal i think so. uh, okay yeah yeah but, i wonder don't you know wait puts a fest i think is in march or is it may i don't know doesn't matter we did a festival back there maybe like a year and a half ago yeah sam um, i am's on tour again oh no kidding yeah 
They're playing up yeah, here in May. That's funny. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't seen those guys in forever. I'm trying to think of the festival. Oh, we did a rock fest. Oh, Oops. yeah, yeah, yeah. Montebello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a great festival. I heard they stopped. They had some big controversy. I think it's over. It's not happening this year. I think they lost their sponsor. Um, Matt um, is the hospitality guy. He's a dear. He's like a friend of a friend. But when I I was on tour with the Descendants, he was the guy that did our advance. He was the hospitality guy. So like back in 2010, and then I went back again like in 2012 with the Good Riddance. And he's still worked with them. Now he's like the punk rock bowling guy. He's um, oh okay. His gotcha. name is Matthew Matt Gagnon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that because um, it's happened every year. And the guy Alex that started the festival he was like seventeen when he first started it. It was like yeah, al- yeah. almost famous age. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it was funny when we played it. Um, John Kastner, he was. He was the guy that got us on it. He was he's like booking. He does like management and booking and stuff now. Yeah. It's, so he hooked us up on that and uh, I met Alex and um his mom was like writing everybody's checks. It was yeah. so funny. It was like she paid me in cash. <laughs> That's awesome. She ran it through the machine and I counted it and she was like twenty bucks over and I gave her twenty back and she thought that was so cool. Because <laughs> it the two stuck together. So I'm like, Oh, you overpaid me. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, they're really cool, man. The cool dad people. was putting up snow fence. Like it was like this oh, weird. Really? Yeah, this is like in 2010. It was like the third year of it, and oh, it was okay. like higher numbers than normal. And then the next was it the year? Yeah, that was the bigger year, the biggest year. And then the year after, or two years after that, is when like all the toilets were overflowing because they didn't get yeah. enough toilets, and there was like people walking, <laughs> quote unquote, in rivers of piss and stuff. And <laughs> yeah, and it was just it just grew too fast, you know. But I think Budweiser yeah. took it on as a sponsor. I don't know if that's happening this year. Yeah. So, but it's a bummer because yeah, it was, it was it, such a good festival. It is a good festival. Yeah, it was really it had a really cool bill. I mean, it was like a lot of the '90s type bands, the like Goldfinger and maybe Less Than Jake and uh, Bad Religion played it. But then they had like um, Ramstein played it <laughs> and uh, Iggy Pop and. Um, uh, Wu Tang Clan. So it was really yeah. that first festival. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. He he did it right. Yeah, for sure. And that they closed that whole town down. Like that was like that whole town yeah. had like a thousand people in it. And then when Montebello hit, it was like thirty or forty thousand people. <laughs> and I don't know what the numbers were towards the end, but it was way higher. Like they ripped part of the this weird little grandstand, and they just turned this whole area into a festival area. And wow, uh, there's I've cool. seen pictures with Brancet playing. It's just like. It looks like a hundred thousand people, you know, just oh, based so on crazy. the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need that stuff. I mean, Europe had it so figured out with festivals, and it seems like oh, man. North so America cool. is sort of like trying to catch up. But yeah, I mean, it, will it ever be the same? I I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. I know. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They've all Europe has always been on top of that. I was just watching. I don't know how you know get these wormholes on YouTube. And I found some festival from like festival from '82 or something, and it was the specials and Elvis Costello and Van Halen, <laughs> and it was like, and they were it was like I can't imagine seeing the specials and Van Halen, and it was like, uh, it was just you know, and I think it even in the write up for it or something, it said that it was a really diverse festival that would have seemed totally out of place in America at the time, you know, but um, but over there they did stuff like that, so they just. 
always had it together with those things. Yeah, I mean, they weren't afraid to put festivals in clubs too. Like, this is a yeah. club; it's a, it's going to be a festival. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, we'd have we'd have a similar type of thing where it's like ten bills on ten bands on the bill, but we never had the balls to call it a festival. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was an all ages punk true. rock show. They had yeah, ten people on the so band, true. and the, everybody had to bring like three or four friends, and then that that turned into the crowd, you know. Yeah, and the bands would watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So, well, if you're ever uh, up in the Toronto area, let me know, and we can uh, yeah, definitely sure. hang. I'm, I, you know, yeah. I'm in the same boat. When somebody says I'm, I'm moving me in Toronto next week, I'm like, great, let's totally hang out. And it's like, <laughs> and then I go, oh shit, but it's so far away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had to work there's, tomorrow. There's like hardly anything that can get me out of my house at this point. <laughs> I think Van Halen was the last thing. Last, no, it couldn't be the last show I went to. Yeah, but that was. I mean, it has to be around that level. I mean, that's like a that's like a bit one of my lifelong favorite bands, and I never got to see them, and they came through, and you know, it's like okay, I guess I'll go see Van Halen. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but other than that, it's like good luck, man. I don't, I don't can't imagine who I would not have to be dragged out to at this point. Yeah. Well, just because of my homebody. Yeah, well, I mean, in the same night last Monday, last week, um, both Bob Mould and Joe Jackson played in two different venues in Toronto. And I didn't know about the Joe Jackson show. I was like, oh, Bob Mould, yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I want to go, I want to go. And then it was like the show came and went. I'm like, oh, yes. shit, I miss that. All the show. time. And somebody that posted on Facebook that she was the only one not wearing plaid at the Bob Mould show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I used to be about like that about Bob Mould because he's another one I never saw that I was really, 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 really into. But um, I guess he's touring a bit now. And he's putting a record out. It's really good, yeah. actually. What I've heard is great. That's what people tell me. It's yeah. like kind of live off the floor, from what I hear. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's the way to do it, man. Like, if you're a Bob Mould or whoever, you could, you should be able to do that off the floor. And yeah, just yeah, get it right, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. And and the, yeah. yeah, and it's and you know I think it's we're, we're turning a corner about like perfection over feeling. I think right. I think we're getting to the point where people can kind of yeah, that sounds perfect. That sounds awesome. Like I've heard mixes of bands they send me mixes. It's like like perfect sounding uh, snares and perfect sounding kicks, yeah. and it's played perfectly. And part of me is almost like oh, I'm almost turned off now. Like I yeah. feel that it's almost like I did some recording and. I fixed a few things, but trying to if I if it ever lost what the feeling of the song was, I would sort of undo it and sort of keep it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but, you know, make it. Don't try to fuck with it. Yeah, it definitely drives me nuts um, how edited and things like that records are these days. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's not like when you listen to like a Led Zeppelin record that they sound amateurish or that they're like total screw-ups or mm -hmm. something you know but but it doesn't sound perfect you know it sounds like dudes playing yeah. you hear a squeaky kick drum pedal or whatever you know <laughs> and uh that's I, that's how i've gotten to be with the recording too because i do everything here at my place and um i have caught myself just going over and over guitar like one guitar part for hours you know it just becomes this thing and i have to like stop myself and be like no forget it you know because <laughs> um, that's it's just you know and i don't know yeah it just loses something for sure yeah but i think you know that's it's it's like the public service announcement is everybody can record their record just 
get it, record it and, and make it feel good, you know? Because I think that's more important to me than if it's perfect. Yeah. It, it's always, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we've mentioned, I mentioned, mentioned Death Cat for Cutie, but that record is played great. And they just did it on like a 16 track recording machine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that yeah. record sounds amazing. And that's what got them all their success. So yeah. had they would have tried to do the record they did after, which was a little bit more polished, maybe yeah. I would be on that dark German road listening to them tingling. You know what I mean? And maybe that, right. yeah. you know, and, and that's, yeah, yeah, in a nutshell. It, it blows me away when I listen to um, old, like, like say a Frank Sinatra record or something, um, you know, from the 50s or whatever. Um how perfect some of those records sound and that's mm. you know we're not it's not we're not talking about a bunch of multi-track overdubbing and yeah. stuff it's and they're like, reading charts like they're actually reading. Yeah, reading charts and like perfect you know it sounds perfect almost uh performance and perfect mic placement you know it's, mm -hmm. but it still doesn't sound it sounds it still sounds real you know as opposed as opposed to a lot of the stuff now you know it's weird and i mean they're, they're super limited on on their like tracks and overdubs back then, you know. So yeah, it would have been probably two tracks, maybe. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. Even back, even when Sinatra, like Frank Sinatra, was getting old, it was sort of like, let's do it in one. <laughs> yeah. And they would do stuff yeah. like one take, and then that was it. Like, remember when you like did a that? Room, a room full of people. I yeah. Mean, that's just I can't. It's hard to even imagine a five people being that together also at this point you know yeah i'm sure there was a formula too about how many saxophones to put in there and how many you yeah. know how many does it sound before it sounds like messy or yeah. <laughs> you know how big right. does the band need to be remember yeah. when he did that at uh, duets thing where mm, yeah it was sort of the early part of the technology where they could actually beam in bono you know from a <laughs> right. studio from somewhere and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> That yeah, was yeah. like that was that was that was the future, and now those yeah. studio probably doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> no doubt. Another one that's like on my bucket list is Brian Setzer. He's like one of my favorite players. I've never seen him. And yeah. He's another one that every time he comes through, I'm like, oh, I gotta go see him. I have to. And then, <laughs> you know, the day comes, I'm like, oh, what's on TV? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But and he's like one of my favorites of all time. But he's another one that he does a lot of the kind of traditional recording stuff, you know, like a three piece and just run it through, you know. So it's in inspiring, you know, to me because it's like that's the that's the real deal, you know. Yeah, absolutely. As, to, as a as a as a player, you know, as opposed to cutting and pasting and uh, you know, let me go back and move that snare over here and this and that, you know. I mean that that's fine. It saves time, but but um, there's something as a musician to know that you, if you, you can't, you have the capability to just play through a song, you know. Yeah. No, actually, the closest, the best example of that for me is when uh, we just did this new record, and the record we did before, I was the recording engineer, and then played my parts after. And this time, I said, well, I'm not going to be the recording engineer in this band. I want to be the other guitar player because that's what I do. So when yeah. we did our ghost tracks, I played with as four of us. And yeah. uh, the payoff is huge because it just yeah. everybody was just so jazzed to play as a band, and yeah. it truly reflects. Um, like, I would imagine 
trying to record it. Cause I used to do just guitar and drums and then we'd fix stuff, yeah. you know, and put everything in, everything yeah. in later. And yeah. uh, we were mentioning Kastner. Kastner always say the snare is always louder when there's no bass player on the recording. That was his, I remember a famous <laughs> quote that he told me once. It's like, you don't <laughs> use the bass player when you're tracking because the snare will be harder. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, that kind of makes sense. But, but <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. but as a band, it's sort of like playing as four people with guide vocals too. So it was just like, that's pretty close you know what i mean like yeah yeah it makes totally. it feel good to move on to the next song because you think well this is good enough i mean this would be good at this point yeah. you know we've done something that's kind of cool and yeah. uh and and that's that is a true representation of what's going to be a record because it's four dudes playing in a room um you know three or four chords and uh you know yeah trying to keep it as honest as possible you also said we're going to do the record in two days and 11 days later we're not done yet but <laughs> right, exactly. i want to call it two day record but uh, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> we're going in a weekend we're gonna do the whole thing it's like uh okay that's yeah that was a totally empty promise that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah. yeah there's definitely there's no replacement for for just a live you know it's hard for me to do because um you know, our schedules are all over the place. Yeah. We all live in different parts of the country. I'm, I'm also the engineer on all these things, but it always is like a dream of mine to, to one day get back to that. Just some big giant room, big giant studio, you know, if those things even exist in another 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just buy some road cases, man. Cause there's great sounding yeah. rooms out there. They're all out there. Yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah. yeah that's what I've been doing for years, man. Like yeah. I, I had a barn up north of here where my parents lived, and they moved, and I lost the barn. But yeah. I, everything I got, I get get now fits in a road case. So if I want to put it in my car, it'll fit my car, yeah. and I can go to the house, and I can find the greatest sounding room in the house and record that band. And it, and it generally is a, you know, good outcomes. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey man, thanks for doing this. Um, yeah, dude. Yeah. Totally. Let's uh, not make it. Well, I can't remember how many years it was. It's like since <laughs> many, 2002 many. or one or something, maybe. Yeah, is it with some 41? Is it still all the same guys in the band? Uh, they got uh, Tom who plays in you, who plays in Gob. Tom's playing oh, guitar, okay. and Dave okay. was out of the band for a little while. He quit, and now he's back yeah. in the band. So they have three guitars in their band. That's what I was wondering because I remember hearing that he was out or something, but he's back. Yeah, and they didn't want to get rid of Tom because Tom's awesome. And uh, yeah. so they just kept it as a three. It was funny. That's kind of what they did with, uh, with the Foo Fighters did with Pat. They just, when yeah. Pat wanted yeah, to come back, Pat. they're like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to kick Chris out of the band because Pat wants back. Yeah, and that's in uh, Iron Maiden, too. So. What's that? Iron Maiden. As yeah, well. it's true. They ended up with the third guy. Of that, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, you know, yeah. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, man. Dude, it's good talking to you, man. And that was Mr. Sam Williams. Good episode. Good times. It's good catching up with old friends. It is. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show on Amazon. Go to Amazon.com. Oh. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the show on Amazon. You can go to Applelog.ca slash Amazon or Applelog.ca slash US Amazon to help and support the show. Somebody keeps texting me, and it's coming in on the recording. So I'll mute you. Um, yeah. So anyways, yeah, good time, good talk. It was great having you on the show, Sam. Thank you so much for doing it. Next week, I got a good one coming up. 
got a great one, and I'm, I can't wait to show it and share it with you. But uh, it'll be Mr. Adam Sewell, who used to be in a band called Monster Vita Machine. He's a, just a smart dude, just a good guy. So anyways, all right, next week, we'll see you. Bye. <laughs>